I do want to talk about uh, this morning starting a new series, essentially. If you could put up the title slide there, um, Margarita. I want to talk about living a life of overflow. And uh, I've been, this is something that's been sort of bouncing around in my mind and my head for quite some time. And I want to start a series in the summer about this and just talk about what it's like to live in a life of overflow. Pastor Omri last week preached about having a song of hope and expectation, which I think is very important. And last night in our church prayer meeting uh, on Zoom, we talked a lot about how the world needs hope. Amen? And uh, one other thing we noticed too, um, last week, uh, those remember for the first time we got together and everybody, we sang the song, The Blessing, <laughs> that everybody's singing these days. If you go on YouTube yeah. and type in The Blessing, you'll get like, you know, every version you can imagine, Korean version, Canadian version, New York City version, Pittsburgh version, everybody, it, it's great. It, it can be a little much, but it's great. And it's a great song. Uh, and as Val taught us last week, it's not a song actually worshiping God. It's a song singing a blessing over people. And in many ways, I think it's something that's so needed today. Uh, Deanne brought up a good point uh, when we were praying yesterday and something we've been talking about a little bit. It's like there's some things that maybe as Christians, not this church, but all churches I've kind of forgot. And one of them may be just like blessing each other. You know, uh, Catholics do it. Anglicans do it uh, quite a lot. And maybe they do it a lot by rote. Like they just kind of go, I don't know if you've ever been to a Catholic baptism or, or wedding, it's lovely, but it's kind of like, eh, blessing, they kind of mumble it, and then, you know, whatever. It misses a little bit of the thing. But when you take the time to really bless somebody, it makes a real, a real big difference. So I wanted to think about that and speak on that, and I was praying about it. And so the other day, I had this, I was just like, I was in this. You know when the, uh, Paul says, there's a Paul that said, I was in the Spirit. On, no, it was John. It says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. I kind of felt like that. I was at home, and then Val said, go to Home Depot. No, she didn't. But I had to go to Home Depot to check something. And Val said, are you going to go? I said, yeah. But I was, in, I was in the Spirit. I was like, good. I was, I was all concentrating on the Lord. And I was like, this is good, because I get to go out in the car by myself and think a little bit about this idea. And then I get in the car, and I'm in the car, and I start driving to Home Depot. And then the second I get in the car, I notice this bug. Okay? Not a fly, not a mosquito. Actually, I've never even seen that kind of bug. And the bug is like sort of buzzing around. And so I take a swat at it and I miss. And then I tried to do a humanitarian thing and I put down the window to try to, and it wouldn't go out. So I put back the window up and then I'm driving around. And then one thing leads to another. And the next thing I know, guess what I'm doing? I'm parking at Home Depot and I've spent the entire time yeah. dealing with this bug. And I got in the car, I was like, okay, Lord, speak to me. And then I spent the whole time trying to swat this bug. And I got to the Home Depot parking lot, and I went, oh. And you ever done that? You ever driven somewhere and realized, how did I get here? I don't remember turning, I don't remember stopping, I don't remember anything. And here I am, whatever. And it just spoke to me right away about how sometimes in our lives we can be so consumed with a little bug that's flying around us, whatever that may be in your life, that we completely forget what we were doing with the Lord. Amen? You might have something like that going in your life right now, that annoying gnat, that annoying thing that keeps flying on. I'm not talking about a serious thing like what we just prayed for, but there are certainly things. Now, if I could have just ignored that bug, I'm not saying that the Lord won't speak to me because of it, but it's just an example. And then I thought, you know, Lord, thank you for this great, you know, example of, of what it is. I'll share this with the church. And then something else happened. Um, on sat well, Saturday, yesterday, was supposed to be a very open day. Now, I don't wish it upon anybody, but if you live Val and I's life, it's extremely busy. And there are very few days where we have nothing to do. Very few evenings where we have nothing to do. But yesterday was turning out to be one of those sacred days. <laughs> where aside from the prayer meeting that we had planned, 
We had nothing to do, and we knew the rain store was coming, so unfortunately we had to cancel the women's um, uh, fellowship, but we knew that means, oh my gosh, we have nothing to do, okay? And sometimes, and I'm like, perfect, I'm preaching the next day, it's going to be some time to really get into the stuff and really think about it, and then guess what happened? We ended up making an appointment for Caleb for a medical thing, and we said, they said, over the phone, we said, no problem, we'll do it over the phone at one o'clock, maybe turn me down a tinge, I'm a bit tinny, and then... Uh, they called us in the morning and said, oh, do you want to come in? And we said, well, okay. So there's my whole morning. I had to drive to Laval, okay, and go to that appointment. And then we decided to come to the church to work with Mark to set something up. And I got to the church and we were going to, oh, great, we're doing stuff for the church. And then I get a phone call and somebody at my work, I won't name them to save the embarrassment, <laughs> took a forklift and smashed a water pipe and was flooding our warehouse. So off to work I go. And I spent hours at work. I made it back in time for the prayer meeting, amen? But what I'm saying is, I, I understand, life sometimes just happens in a series of rapid punches. And we, all the plans we had to sit down and spend time with the Lord or really get into the Word or whatever, it's just gone. Not because of anything bad, but because life happens. Okay? It's, it's not the devil. The devil didn't take my forklift driver and go, okay, I'm going to make you smash the pipe so Richard can't. It's not. Don't, don't, get, don't become that person. You think it's the devil all the time. I remember one time I was on a mission trip in France. <laughs> this is true. I was in Corsica. Do you know that country? It's part of France, technically speaking. I was in Corsica on a mission trip, and the mountains surrounding the compound we were in were on fire. There was forest fires. And we were preparing to do a play. We were doing Christian plays out in the street. Believe it or not, at 13 years old, this is crazy, 15, this is crazy. At 15 years old, I was walking around France doing plays on the street and getting threatened by people. It was very fun. And uh, we were practicing, but we were trying to practice our, but we couldn't practice because the water scoopers were coming. We were right near the beach. The water scoopers would come, the, the planes. They would scoop up the water and they would fly overhead. So every few minutes we'd hear, like that. So we couldn't practice. We're like, let's just stop. And then the leader of our group went, no, it's the devil. The devil's trying to stop us from practicing and blah, blah, blah. And we're like, lady, that hill's on fire. If they don't take the water and put out that fire, we're all going to die. It's not the devil. If anything, it's God helping these guys, whatever. Don't be that person is what I'm saying. Okay. Sometimes life happens. Sometimes there's a forest fire. And you got to, so the question is, how do we continue to live in a life of overflow when life is happening? Forget just COVID, you know? How do we live in a life of overflow when normal life is happening? Well, I got to talk about something. I want to look at the Word of God today. We're going to sprint it through. You're going to get a lot of verses. Not all of them are up there. But just to explore how amazing God is and how He's provided for us in so many ways. So when we talk about the overflow, I want to talk about your past, your present, and your future. Okay? God has positioned you to live a life of overflow. Does anybody believe that? Mm -hmm. yes. Now, hold a second. I don't want you to like generalize it. God has positioned you to live a life of overflow. So could you say that? God has positioned me, say, God has positioned me, not Richard, you, me, right, to live a life of overflow. Can you say that? Mm -hmm. Because you might say, well, yeah, maybe that guy or that person or that woman or that whatever. No, God has positioned all believers to live a life of overflow. There's so many verses I could talk about. I'm not going to talk about today. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 talks about abundant blessings. Ephesians 3, 20, you know, the one about immeasurably more than we could hope or imagine. John 10, 10, we all know light, abundant life. We'll talk about those in the weeks to come. But today we're going to talk about our past, our present, and our future. First of all, did you know that God had you 
on his mind at the beginning of creation. Did you know that? Not just generically humanity, but he's God. He had you on his mind. Let's look at the beginning. Let's go back to Genesis 1. And God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground, so on and so forth. So God created mankind in his own image. The image of God he created, the male and female he created them. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. I think that's where I stopped. But in the scripture it goes on, talks about ruling and it says, uh, God saw all he had made and it was very good. Amen? So first of all, you and I are made in the image of God. Theologians love to use the phrase image deo. Okay? And that means in the image of God. Every human being, even your neighbor that you don't like, even that politician you think is wrong, even the enemy of the state, even the terrorist is made in the image of God. That's why we, sh- we can't be racist. That's why we can't be sexist. Because God, everybody is made in the image of God. Our nature, who we are, is a likeness of God. You might say, oh, I'm, you're not a God. Okay, don't make that mistake. You're like God. In that, he made us able to create and have relationship beyond. And I want to say something this morning I think is important, especially younger folks. You're being indoctrinated in some areas, and I'm going to do a little indoctrination this morning. Humans are special. Humans are unique. Humans are more important to God than any other creature on the face of the planet. That does not mean we should destroy our planet. That does not mean we should kill all our animals and abuse them. No, of course not. But yes, Humans are the crown, the pinnacle of God's earthly creation. We have a special relationship with the divine that no animal has. Okay, and I'm saying that because, unfortunately, in the world today, many of our kids are taught, no, we're just another creature, like everything else. So our natural state is what? In the image of God. And what did God do when he created us? He gave commands, right? But before he gave commands, what did he do? Well, right there he blessed them okay so our natural state is from a point of blessing god didn't start by saying you miserable worms you're no good follow my rules no he blessed them so what he did was he gave them the power and ability to do what they needed to do that he called them to do In, in in management i'm a manager of quite a lot of people and one of the key things i always remind my my supervisors is don't, do, don't tell somebody to do something you haven't explained how to get it done or that you haven't given them the tools to be able to do it. Okay? So if you came to my house and I said, cut my hedge. And you said, okay, where's your hedge clippers? I don't have hedge clippers. Okay, do you have scissors? I don't have scissors. I'm not giving you the tools you need to do the job. So the same way God doesn't say, go subdue the earth, multiply and do this and do that. He starts by blessing them, giving them the power and ability. And you say, well, isn't that great for Adam and Eve? But you are them. This was a promise and a blessing given to all humanity. And so if we live and work and breathe in the way that he's called us to, we have the blessing that enables us to do it. God has given us his favor. I talked about that. He likes us. And we are good. Okay, now I've got to cover a theological point. It is true that sin has corrupted our natural goodness. And that all of us, Go ast- have gone astray because of sin. That doesn't negate our original state of goodness, 
that God imbued in us. And so Jesus fixes that bridge. And by the way, it's not just so that we can go to heaven one day. I think Pastor Armour even said this last week. It's so that we can live a life now that is full of favor, goodness, and blessing. Okay? Now, I want to remind you that blessing doesn't mean stuff. Can we all just remember that? I think this church is pretty mature and knows that. But blessing doesn't mean, well, great, when do I get my new car and a better job and more money and better this and better that? That's not blessing. Okay? Those are nice things to have, but that's not blessing. All right, so now remember, we're talking about our past. You might say, well, uh, that was Adam and Eve, that was ever. Hold on. Remember, uh, uh, David says this in the Psalms. You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's room. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All my days were ordained for me, were written in your book before one of them came to be. Psalm 139. Now I get it. That's a very poetic way that David's talking, but he's got a revelation here that God is with us even from the moment of our conception. Okay? And that God is moving in our lives right from the very beginning. And not just David and not just Adam and Eve, but you. Okay? So the first person I looked at was Delina. So Delina, that's about you too. God's cared about you and been interested in what's going on. Well, how can he? There's seven billion people. He's God. He's got it. Seven billion is not a big number to God. Okay? It is to us. Don't, uh, when your framework of trying to understand God, we have to be careful to, to not put our own limitations on him. Right? It's like when a human tries to think about eternity. You ever tried to picture eternity? It's impossible, right? Because our minds and our, our, our whole system is built on time. Where God is outside of time. God is outside of numbers. He can do all things. And in fact, uh, what you call yesterday, today, and tomorrow to God are the same thing. He's not going, well, I can't wait till tomorrow. There is no tomorrow for God. It's all a moment in time. Not even time. A moment of his creation. So, you were made by God with blessing and favor. He's been interested in you since your birth. And here's a, a better thing. Also, even in the past, he created a rescue plan for humanity. Colossians 1, 13 to 14 says, He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Remember I said at creation when things went wrong and sin entered the equation and ruined the relationship between man and God, he didn't just leave it there and go, well, that, what, a, what a failed experiment. That didn't work out. No, he comes and rescues us from that dominion of darkness and brought us, brings us into the kingdom of the Son. That's Jesus, right? In whom we have what? Redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Real quick definition of the word redemption. What does it mean? Redemption means bought back. Okay? You know when you go and redeem a coupon at the store? That's what you're doing, right? You're going and using that coupon. So the redemption, Jesus went and got us back from that state. So humanity fell out of the state of favor and blessing from God, but by following Jesus Christ, we're brought back into that position. So you have a chance to live that life of overflow. So that means God is with you now. Let's look at Psalms again, Psalm 46, 1. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Amen? So this morning when we heard about baby Eliana, God bless the doctors, I hope they do a good job, the first thing we do is pray. Why? Because God is our refuge. God, I've talked about this a few weeks ago online, if you saw it, refuge is the place we run to for safety. Okay? 
the stronghold, the fortress. That's where we run to. We don't rely on our own strength. We don't rely on our own ideas that we go to God. And he's, how present is he? He's ever present. It means always, even in the darkest valley. How many of you have felt God's presence in a horrible place? In a place where you felt like, you know, some, you know let's be honest, some people, uh, I, I, can, I know, I was just you know, thinking of a man right now, came to me before I wasn't even thinking about it. Uh, a, a lovely um, uh, gentleman who's friends with my parents, his name is Fred, and he found the presence of God, the ever-presence of God, with a gun to his head. He'll tell you. He was suffering alcoholism and all other things, and he had a gun to his head. And it was there that God spoke to him. Okay? So God is ever-present, no matter where we are. Has anybody felt that? In a moment of despair and of sadness or of fear, you feel the presence of God. So if God can speak to Fred with a gun to his head, sorry, I didn't mean to rhyme that, but it did. If God can speak to Fred with a gun to his head, he can speak to us no matter where we are. Amen? Amen. All right, so he's an ever-present help in trouble. So then it says this, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If, therefore, you got to read the, whenever you see a therefore, that means later, go back and read the, begin, the first part, okay? Because he's saying, because of this, that. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. Okay, where is the old? Where? Hold on, I need to hear from more than three people who are related to me. Where is the old? Gone. Gone. Folks, if one of the missions I have in my whatever years left on earth is to remind you that when Jesus Christ saves you and forgives you your past, you are not beholden to it. You are not owned by it. You are not getting dragged down by it. And if I hear one more Christian tell you that you need to go through a series of things to let go of your past, I'll say, sure, a series of giving it to Jesus every day until it's gone. Okay? You bring it to Jesus. If you need to speak to somebody about it, awesome. I would love to hear, be part of that thing. But if the past is holding you back, if the old nature that you had, the old things that are holding you back, Jesus wants to set you free from that. Amen? Amen. I know, I know there are people here that have suffered abuse, that have suffered hurtful things that are even sometimes beyond imagination. Okay, and hurtful things have happened to you. And I promise you that Jesus Christ can heal that thing and can heal your heart and heal your pain so that you don't wake up in the morning thinking about it anymore. So it's not hitting your head when you start to close your eyes and go to sleep anymore. You know, those things that you're driving and you're in a good mood and all of a sudden something from your past just smacks you in the face and reminds you. I know we all go through those things. God can heal you and free you from those things. Why? Because he's our ever-present help in trouble. And a new creation has come. He makes us brand new. Look at Isaiah 43. I want to talk about this. This verse is a prophetic message to the children of Israel while they're in captivity. They are in exile in Babylon. Imagine all of us being ripped out of our homes and being made to go live in a country that doesn't like us. And this is the message they get. I'm doing a new thing. It springs up. Do you not perceive it? Don't you get it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. God was telling them, I'm doing something in the present that you can't even see that'll secure your future. That's what he's, that's what he's saying. So right now, you're everybody's saying, well, I'm not living a life of overflow. God is at work in our lives, in our city, in our church, in your particular personal situation, making a way in your present that you can't even, he's saying, the prophet says, don't you even perceive it? Can't you see it? You know? And 
you never know where God is taking you. So believe and walk with God in the day to day. And he's preparing, he says here, he's making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I want to just, again, it's poetic, right? But um, we have a problem here, right? Because we all live in a quite affluent country. If I want water, I'm going to walk outside now and just go, water. And I can walk away and a day later come back and what would be happening? There'd still be water. Okay? But it wasn't like that back then. So the idea of a stream, okay, in the wasteland was like, oh my goodness. For you young people, it's like Wi-Fi on a mountain. Okay? (laughs) Right? You know what I mean? It's getting something from a place that should never have it. That's what God does. Oh, well, I'm not educated. Well, I'm not smart. I'm not wealthy enough. I'm not influential enough. I don't have the tools it takes. Oh, maybe you don't, but God makes a way in the wilderness and brings streams to a wasteland. So your, your life, your situation may even seem like a wasteland, but God can bring a stream into that wasteland. Amen? All right. So we have a part to play. Let's look at Philippians chapter 3. Many people like Philippians chapter 3. Why? Why do people like Philippians chapter 3? Anybody want to take a guess? We all quote a verse from Philippians all the time. Okay, but let's look at this here. Now that I've already, not, not, this is, now who's saying this? Paul, he's an apostle. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Okay, now this is where we need to step up our maturity level a bit. Right? Because it is true that there's nothing you can do to earn your salvation. Salvation is the free gift of God. Amen? You can't make God love you any more than he loves anybody else by your good behavior or your nice way. But there is a mature understanding, right? Let's be smart about it. When you say, yes, I'm going to live for Jesus Christ, I'm going to take a hold of that life, there's an effort to be made. Amen? Can we not? Let's, you can read the whole book of James, Okay? It's a lot about that. Be careful that it's not you get, well, now I'm a Christian. I'm just going to, I'm just going to float around and whatever happens, happens. That's why you ever meet somebody who says they're a Christian and then the way they life, the way they live their life has nothing to do with Christianity. And you're like, huh? It's because they've understood that, well, I'm Christian and whatever. And that's it. It stops there. No, it doesn't stop there. So Paul says, I press on to take hold. Brothers and sisters, who is that? He's now, he's writing to the church at Philippi, but who falls into brothers and sisters? Everybody in this room, okay? I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. He reminds them, I'm not perfect, he says, but I do one thing. Forgetting what's behind. We just went through that, right? I straining towards what is ahead. Now, again, I was thinking about this last night. Paul to forget what's behind. First of all, by this point, he's, also, he's almost been murdered a few times, right? But what's, I thought that first, but then I think it was the Lord or me thought about it. Not worse than that, he was an accomplice to murder. He caused murders. He sanctioned murders. So imagine that playing on your head. Before he became a Christian, he would give the okay to a crowd to stone somebody to death. It was his call. He'd be like, yeah, go ahead. You remember when Stephen died? It says they laid their cloaks on a man named Saul. It was Paul. So imagine that on your conscience. Okay? Then he becomes a Christian, and he becomes the one they're trying to kill. And he's saying, forgetting what's behind and straining to what's ahead, I press on to the goal to win the prize 
which God had called me heavenward. We know that Paul clearly was a fan of the Greek Olympics. He always talks about them, right, running and whatever. But that's the, 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 the image he gives is somebody running, okay? Uh, yesterday, um, it was a downpour when we were down at the clinic. And I, 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 being a good husband, I had to go get the car, right? And, of course, everybody knows that the longer you're in rain, the more wet you get, right? So my solution to get less wet was what? I sprinted. And as I was sprinting, because I haven't played hockey since March when COVID started, I thought, this is the first time I've sprinted since March. Um, right? We don't run that often. But in the same way in our Christian life, right? Part of it, it's like, are you telling me I have to strive? Are you telling me I have to try? Careful. I want to be careful with how I'm messaging this. It's not a striving, okay? It's a pressing on. It's a keeping on going on. And maybe some of you are going are gonna to walk uh, a run walk. You ever seen those? A lot of ladies do that. They a couple of weights and they, right? Whatever, you know what? Men do it too. Men do it too. Yeah. You ever, you ever seen that Olympic walking? It's like they walk like a duck. I don't get that. You know. But whatever you can do, right? Whatever you can do in in your life for God, just go and press on ahead. Now, what I want to remind you of is that God has your future secured. Okay. Don't bring the baggage of the past with you. That might be what's slowing you down. Also, don't keep on chop, stopping to check. I was watching Francis Chan this week. He said something. I'm sure he didn't invent this saying, but he, did. he, goes, he goes, no one plants a seed and then keeps on digging it up to see how it's going. <laughs> right? It's the same thing with us. Right? So you might be going on in your life and saying, well, hold on, I've got to stop now and take account where I am. Just keep on going eventually the sprout will come out from the ground and eventually the fruit will come amen now how am i going to do this you're putting pressure on me i hope you're not thinking that but if you are here's your answer the bible tells us this jesus said the advocate the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything i've said to you peace i leave with you my peace i give to you i do not give you as the world gives do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Okay, so the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, I'm sending the Holy Spirit, he's here with you now, and he'll teach you how many of the things? My favorite word in the Bible. How many of the things is the Holy Spirit going to teach you? All. Not some of the things, not the things that only you need to know, all of the things. By the way, can I just do an aside? That's why when your friend or your person out there says, well, the Lord's told me something new that nobody else knows, but like, uh-uh, because the Holy Spirit teaches us all, all, okay? Don't, don't put up with the Gnostics, okay? The Gnostics are people who think they have special revelation, okay? There's no special revelation. There, there's revelation, and Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, tells us all. And, and he'll remind you of how much everything, Right? And then what, is, what feeling does Jesus leave us with? What feeling should we, when we're pressing on towards the goal, what feeling should we be having? What should we feel like? It's right there. What is it? At peace. And again, because the reason it says, I don't give you like the world gives, because Jesus knew like we know. When the world says peace, peace, they don't really mean it. They just mean for now. Until I need something from you or until there's a problem, right? No, it's real peace. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Jesus is always with us. He made that promise when he gave the Great Commission to the disciples, right? What did he say? Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go make disciples of all nations, so on and so forth. And he says, Surely I am with you always to the very end 
of the age. How often is Jesus with us? Always. Again, you see, look for those words, okay, as you're reading Jesus' words. All. Always. He's not with you sometimes. So what do you mean, Lord? Even when I've sinned and I'm being rebellious and I want nothing to do with you, is he there? You know the Bible says? You might, be, you might be faithless, but God is always faithful. He's there. And he's calling out to us by his Holy Spirit saying, now come on back, come on back, coming back, come on back. Amen? So your past is secure. Your present is is secure and so is your future so you know how you're positioned and you can live a life of overflow amen i want to say i want you to stand up and we're going to do something i'm going to start i don't know how often i'm going to do this but you want to put up the last verse for me there margarita when it gets up there okay we're going to start doing this this is a blessing that paul writes okay you ready now i know you all have masks on okay but maybe you could like look at each other and look at this. May the God of hope fill you with all, don't read it with me, I didn't, not yet. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may, what? Overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Okay, so now in a socially distanced fashion, okay, look at somebody near you and pray this blessing over them. Ready? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow you have to say it like that you have overflow with hope by the power of the holy spirit amen amen so take your seats for two minutes we're well in time this is what the world needs folks this is what your neighbors need. This is what your co-workers need. This is what your family members need. They need to hear about the Jesus Christ that is going to fill them with hope to overflowing. And you as the believer, you press on. You keep on pressing on. And they say, why are you so into this? They say, oh, because I'm pressing on towards the goal. Oh, boy, I'm going to keep on going. I know he took care of my past. He's been there since my conception. He's been, and he's taking care of my present. I feel him all the time. And I already, I already know the ending of the book. So I'm just going to keep on going on. Amen. So bless your neighbors, bless your friends, bless your coworkers, bless your uh, whoever your family members are. Amen. And then when we're allowed more than 50 people, we'll bring them to church. Amen. <laughs> All right.